We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 149 of the pod. Matt Rooney alongside Joe Musso. That's backwards. I'm Joe Musso alongside Matt Rooney. But Either way. You know, sh- strange times. Strange Matt Rooney times is sometimes. still, like, it still made sense. You said Matt Rooney is along, alongside Joe Musso. So I, you're still right. It is, still but I think I'm speaking in like the fifth person there. I think that's, that's what that's that was. Not, that's not new for um, you. You know, we're, we're just person a lot. We're just trying to, you know, keep things on the up and up here as we reach, I don't know, everyone's start date on quarantine has been different. I think we're just about approaching a month with no sports, though. Um, yeah, for, the right about of this, for the purposes of this podcast, I think that's the, the metric we will go by. So uh, we continue to trudge on here at the Moose and Runes podcast. And this week, I think more than any other week, Matt, we have more sports content to talk about than the prior weeks of quarantine. First things first, Matt, how we doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there. Like yep. I think I said the same thing last week. The, every every week this goes by, I feel like you get a little bit more of a routine. You feel a bit more settled down. You feel it's not that this will ever feel normal, normal, but it feels about as normal as it's going to be. And I think we're getting a little bit better. The cooking's getting a little better, Joe. I'm, I'm experimenting a little bit. I'm not just wow. not just cooking salmon and sweet potato every time. Uh, I like I like to think that I, I like to think that I have a little hand in that in that maturation process. Just in our multiple years you, of, uh, of talking here, you on the definitely did. Podcast. You, you and and my older brother Tim probably ha- would be the two main influencers in that. That said, had I think you got to give I think you got to give Johnny a little bit of, a little bit of love. No, jo- too, okay, Johnny Johnny taught me Johnny gave me a meatball recipe. I will give him that. Okay. Other than that, okay. though, Johnny's too <laughs> Johnny's too advanced for me. He's too good. Yeah. Johnny's, Johnny's making his own pasta. I will never. Johnny doesn't have the time. Yeah. I will also. Oh, say you come if, on. No, I, I, okay, I will never do that on my own. Um, water, flour seems like a lot, but then salt. it's all messy. You gotta do the the thing on the counter, and then you gotta yeast. clean the counter. You got you need yeast. I thought it was just flour. Um, flour, water, salt for pasta. If you yeah. want, like a. I'm not making bread, like a, Joe. Yeah, but no, there is a, a little bit. Of, what am I thinking of? I think there's a bread. little bit of yeast if you're making like a papadel, like a like a thicker. Um, sort I, of. Homemade. I will say, for the most part, I don't know the names of like any of these. Obviously, I know what spaghetti or angel hair is, but like outside of that, that, I don't that really might, know the names. I think that's got the makings of quarantine week six pasta power rankings. Ooh, I, uh, yeah. Okay, we, we I actually like to, that. That's we might have to sink our teeth into that one. That's a that's a like, mailbag question submitted by the Moose and Runes podcast people. We're submitting that, mailbags that into be, our own podcast. That could be for a slower week, Matt. But we do have matters of sports to it's get true. to here. The biggest being uh, the Chicago Bulls uh, appearing to they come did to something. terms. They did something. It looks like a step in the right direction. Not only have they agreed to terms with new general manager Arturis. Kardashovis. You pronounced that, that one right there. Beautiful. Arturis Kardashovis, but from now on we will call him AK. But it sounds like they are giving him carte blanche entire uh, basketball operations office from coaching staff to scouting. I think they're going to really tear this thing down to brass tacks, build it back up. Matt, uh, I, I'm not going to feign knowledge here. Like I know a bunch about AK, but in looking what he's done with the Denver Nuggets. Now, they're not a big name 
market to land free agents. And I think his experience in building a successful team without the Kevin Durant, the LeBron James, this big fish in free agency, mm-hmm. bodes even more uh, positive for the Bulls because we've been unable to land those uh, those type of players in the past because I, I don't know what it is. I think it was a lot to do with the front office, but you know we are a big market. We should be able to get those names, but in the case that we can't, he can still build a second place in the conference team uh, with lesser pieces as he has in Denver. Those teams always seem to perform. Now you put a great coach in Mike Malone at the helm. You get a bunch of good pieces and things start working well. But I guess in summation, this is the guy who I would like to see do the same here in Chicago, whether or not it's with big names. I mean, yeah, you've seen a guy who, like you said, they've never... uh, uh, was he? I don't know if he was there with Carmelo Anthony. Excuse me, I don't have his Wikipedia pulled up. I'm not sure where he started. But other than Carmelo Anthony, that's really the only bona fide superstar they've really mm-hmm. had. And obviously, they were very good those years. But since then, like you said, he's drafted well without having those early round lottery picks. He's found Jamal Murray. He's found Gary Harris. He scouted Nikola Jokic. Uh, they had Yusef Nurkic, too, who's now a, pretty much a star center with Portland. So he's been able to find these guys and build successful teams without having the star player, without being able to lure the attractive free agent. And, you know, in one of our group chats earlier when we were talking about, um, you know, the Bulls finally looking like this is going to be their guy, Rob Gallick was, was saying, like, hey, why is he leaving this situation in Denver for Chicago? Well, mm-hmm. he wants to be the guy. He probably sees the guy as the Bulls being like, this should be a free agent destination. This is the second or third biggest market in the NBA. I, can be, I can't get free agents here because of quite the market I'm in. I can go there and I can get people. And if we can get people, like we can get people there. And if I can combine those, you know, we're going to bring the Chicago Bulls back. That's a marquee name. Um, And like you said, I think the biggest issue with not getting free agents here clearly isn't the market, clearly isn't the city. It's the reputation of the front office, their lack of communication, their inability to, you know, really develop players. And I think this is a great step for the franchise, getting a guy who has that proven track record now can test his ability to bring in big-time free agents into a much better situation or market-wise than he was in Denver. Just a little bit of background here on Kardashovas. He is a Lithuanian-born basketball legend in his own right, uh, decorated EuroLeague player and Olympic medal winner with the Lithuanian national team. He uh, moved here to the United States, had a stop with the Houston Rockets in their front office, uh, a lot of scouting done there, mm-hmm. and uh, assumes the role in Denver. And like you said, the draft success that he has had, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Yusuf Nurkic, finding those names that maybe weren't your Thursday, Saturday big names mm-hmm. in, the, in the college ranks, can't miss guys. I mean, give Jamal Murray his flowers, but being able to scout over that type of talent which seems to be paramount in today's nba very exciting and hopefully you know another uh, another headline that came about these last few days was lori markinen's unhappiness with the bulls saying that he wants out unless big things change well this is a big change and i don't know if sort of that euro league route uh, for AK mm-hmm. makes Lori any more apt to be happy here in Chicago. Yeah, it, I, I did see a uh, friend of the podcast, recurring guest David Kaplan, uh, who's mm-hmm. obviously very tied in with just about every Chicago organization, has as many connections as you could want, tweeted you know, the other day from a very close source, Lori likes playing with the Bulls. He cannot stand playing for Jim Boylan. Uh, gotcha. And it does sound very much like Jim Boylan – 
AK is not a Jim Boylan fan. He has full reign. There will be a new head coach here. So that that does bode well for Laurie Markinen and hopefully seeing the Laurie Markinen of old, the one we got, you know, we thought we were getting years one and two. Hopefully we can kind of see that next step instead of this big regression he took this year. That said, not totally sure what that says about Laurie Markinen. I know the system didn't totally fit him this well, but you can kind of tell like he wasn't always there. He wasn't always too in it. And if you got a guy who's going to just half-ass it all the time because he's not a huge fan of the coach, I'm not totally sure what that says about him if he's going to be a franchise cornerstone. Um, I could, you could tell a lot of people on the mm-hmm. team, especially Zach Levine, not big fans of Jim Boylan. Zach Levine still went out and had a career year. Um, so that does raise a little bit of a red flag for me about Laurie's mental makeup, mindset, all that. That said, if there's going to be a new head coach, AK clearly can hire coaches. He, he knows his locker room, all that type of stuff. Hopefully they'll get a guy in here. They can kind of get Laurie back on track too. Yeah, because for as bad as the Bulls have been from from a talent standpoint, um, you know, you, you talk about Levine, the the promising future of a Kobe White, who mm-hmm. everyone seems to love his attitude. You know, it, the team's not going to look like it does right now, hopefully in that vein, from a depth standpoint, from a starting lineup standpoint. But at the same time, there are pieces there to be moved, to be leveraged, to build around however this guy wants to go about his. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, you just kind of cut out there. Cut out there. You said just build around no matter how AK wants to go about his business pretty much. Yeah, like yeah. whether or not he wants to build around some of this talent, whether he wants to move some of these pieces, there are he's not coming into a barren desert. Something can be done with the pieces at hand, whether that is through trade, whether there's you know he's going to have to draft successfully, whatever it may be. He is coming into a situation that might not reflect the record on paper. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I know the Bulls aren't in the best cap situation to go out and bring in. A, a big name player, at least. I mean, who knows what's going to happen this offseason, free agency, and all, all that's going to work. But there's a huge class coming up. In, what's it in 2021? That summer, and mm-hmm. there is almost nobody on the books outside of Zach Levine. I, I think they have a option for Thaddeus Young. I'm not totally sure, but even at that point, that's a movable contract. Um, they have the building blocks there, where you know, a couple of years from now, if those guys take steps, hopefully, we now have a front office guy in place that we can believe can bring in a legitimate number one to play alongside Zach Levine, alongside Wendell Carter, alongside Kobe White, and likely, you know, Laurie Markin. And it, I don't and, think and anybody had that faith before. And hopefully bring the Bulls back to a place where they haven't been since, I mean, I'll give D. Rose his credit here, but since the late 90s, because yeah. it is a town that is thirsty for championships. And I know that the Bulls fan base, um, our age and older, knows what it's like to live in the winner circle yeah. and just to want to be back there. And, you know, with the, uh, on a much more macro stage with the growth of the NBA, um, what the bulls did in the early, and I mean, through the entire 1990s had a big hand in growing the NBA, but we have not been able to enjoy the successes of that and where the game is at today. So, mm-hmm. To be back on that grand stage where the lights seem brighter than they ever have before, I mean, it's a joy that hopefully we can think about. But first things first, we asked for change. We got change. So, And I'm, and I'm really impressed with 
ownership and the Reinsdorf family's willingness to make this change, quote unquote, in season, because this is an interesting time with everything being down where they're hoping to play some more basketball at some point to finish out this season. If they jump to the playoffs, obviously the Bulls will not get Mm -hmm. to play any more basketball, but it's an incubation period for the entire new front office coaching staff. If they can get those names in place prior to playing more basketball, then it's essentially like a summer league where our front office gets to grade out the guys that are going to be on the roster or the pieces that they're willing to move. Yeah, and you honestly, you kind of touched on it there that this is technically an in-season move, and it is, and not to look too far ahead. What this does kind of signal to me is that the Bulls do not expect, whether there's an NBA season uh, or playoffs, whatever, that's still Mm -hmm. to be decided. This tells me the Bulls do not expect to play another basketball game the rest of the year. That's just, I I don't think they'd have, that's a gut feeling. I'm I'm not saying I don't have any inside information on that at all whatsoever. Not that I would, I don't know anybody. Um, I just, that's a gut feeling to me. I don't think they'd have made this move that, that would bring in a new guy, that would bring in a new coach, that would do a complete overhaul if they still had 15 games to play, because that just doesn't seem very Jerry Reinsdorf-like. Yeah, and it's it's looking like that is more and more likely the reality um, with Brian Windhorst over the last week even reporting that the league is preparing for the possibility of the season being over. Yeah, it's very possible at this Stretches point. of the imagination. Like, they're, they're working from a worst-case scenario backwards is what it sounds like. As you probably should. I mean, that yep. seems to be the smartest way to go about it, because plus – from a mental mind state, if anything else happens, you're like pleasantly surprised. You're not disappointed. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. All right. We got a little bit more than we thought we were going to get. Um, like now, we're keeping we're keeping things positive here on the Moose and Runes uh, podcast. You know, I like positivity. We are keeping it positive because we got some dates on the schedule, those being tentative. But we are a golf podcast. And when it comes to golf, we've only lost one of the four majors, um, that being the Open Championship mm-hmm. overseas. All right. Uh, really no <clears> – <throat> excuse me, really no willingness to reschedule that um, and where it would have fit into this new calendar, I I really don't know. Um, The major schedule will launch in August with the PGA Championship. Then you get the U.S. Open in mid-September, followed the week next week by the Ryder Cup and then the Masters being played in uh, mid-November. So, mm-hmm. Matt, just your your early reaction to the new schedule. Obviously, amongst all things, it's great to, even if it's far off, even if it's months away, it's great that leagues are thinking of how we can resume play. Well, my first thought is, are my Masters tickets still good in November? That's, that's the number one. <laughs> Wait, you hit the lottery again this year? Didn't hit the lottery. Oh, I was gonna say didn't hit the lottery, but yeah, we 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 got it. We got a guy. I'm like over six. We got a guy. <laughs> you got a guy. We got, we got a guy. We got a guy. Um, that said, I mean, like like you said, yeah, it's delayed. And it, it stinks that it's pushed off, but we, we've kind of gotten to the point where we're used to. We're, we're I'm okay with it being pushed off because I've kind of accepted that, and the fact that we kind of have this to look forward to, um, it helps. Uh, it, it's I, I'm, the British Open was probably never going to happen because even if by July. You know, we're at the point where we can start going out, start doing things a little bit more regularly. Yeah. Excuse me. International travel and getting all those people over there, that was going to be just a very tough thing to do logistically. Probably for the best, they called it off. And I believe the Open Championship, like, organization itself made a whole bunch of money because of the insurance policies they took off on that. So whatever, that's Mm -hmm. probably for the best. Um that's it. Like, like you said, it's nice to have these things to look forward to. They're probably not going to be played with fans. I mean, maybe the Masters in November, you can start to see a gallery, um, but even then might be tough with, with limited amounts. But it's just it's nice to have them on the calendar. 
it's something nice to have something to look forward to. And I, I think they did a nice job of pushing these far enough along where you like, like you kind of said, the worst case scenario is canceling. But I think after mm-hmm. that, they put the masters probably the latest, one of the latest possible dates they could. In, and you know, I think that's, November. that's also a case of playability of the course. Yeah. And that's been the big conversation since rescheduling. What is Augusta going to look like in November? Don't they resod like at the end of the summer? So if they wanted to have it or something by like, the original talk was October, like late September, early October. Yeah. And they said at that point, I think it might have been you who was saying like at that point, the grass would have been kind of like brownish. I, I think November gives them the opportunity to actually get the it's course back in because it reopens in the winter, right? It's going to look just as green as it oh, yeah. does or yeah. is supposed to look um, this Thursday. I mean, we kind of buried the lead here, but today sp- so, supposed Joe, to be Masters Thursday. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We know. We, we, okay. we couldn't just avoid it. We couldn't I was just supposed avoid to be, it. I would, right now, I would be at a, I'd be walking the grounds right now, Joe. This isn't about you. This is it about is, golf it's fans always everywhere. About me. This is about golf fans everywhere, Matt. And I'd, have been in George, I'd probably be on Georgia Peach Ice Cream Sandwich number three. It's unfortunate, but at the same time, Import shout out to the powers. Four. Shout out to the powers that be for giving us something to look yes. forward to. But back to what we were talking about and the condition of the course. Um, the Augusta National members have resources unlike anything in this world. Um, they are interconnected with a network of billionaires. It's like an underground where, mafia. And you know, call it what you want to call it. If there are azaleas in bloom on the earth, they will have them there in Mm -hmm. November and find a way to make them live for four days um, or or, or seven days, whatever, whatever the case may be. It's going to be a little is what the almanac tells us is that November is a little cooler as opposed to April um, at Augusta. But there have been masters in the past that have been unseasonably cold, I believe. Yeah. Who was I listening to? I think Van Pelt was talking about uh, when Zach Johnson won it. It was like 45 degrees out that day. So, like, there have been cooler temperature masters uh, played. So, I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. Now, the course is going to play a lot different for these guys because the ball's not going to jump the way it, it usually does. And the way they've lengthened that course over the last half decade, mm-hmm. you might see a score a lot closer to par uh, than years past, but uh, in all ways, a positive. For the golf purists that say the Masters can only be played in April, you know, go find a different hill. It's the Masters. You can play at any time. It's the Masters. As long as you have it, let's have it. The the one I do, I just, I was blanking on where the PGA Championship was, and I Googled it just now while you were talking there. It's it's a parting Mm -hmm. park. That one, now that I think about it, that one worries me. Not worries me, worries me that they're whether or not they're going to have it because i think i saw yesterday they're, they're still very in not insecure is not the they're they're taking it extreme cautions in california i forgot where i saw it someone head of the yeah. santa clara county board the said governor, something like maybe thanksgiving Gavin. is the earliest they're going to have sporting yeah. events that one kind of worries me just because i think they like california might be like hey no yeah um, gavin newsom the governor out there it has taken a very um a very like on the far side of caution yeah. um his approach to this entire thing and you know the states not to go political but the states are being left to govern this the way they please and he is taking that ultra 
um, cautious approach and mm-hmm. more power to him for that politics aside here. But he came out and said that, you know, there's not going to be fans in the stands when they were talking about right after the news came out that the NFL season was going to hopefully kick off as scheduled. He said, not here in California. It's not yeah. going to be. So like you said, that is still very much up in the air. And, you know, having been out there and played the course at Harding Park, it's pretty centrally located in San Francisco, very mm-hmm. populated area. I mean, it is coastal, so you are not necessarily in the middle of downtown, but uh, you're right there in San Francisco. So just from a metropolis area, it, it is questionable. Same can be said about um, same can be said about Wingfoot, which is, I mean, 25 minutes out of Manhattan. So yeah, that one also worries me in, in terms of weather, right? When, when it, the U.S. Open is, what, early September? September. That's September. Yeah, so I guess, ah, that one shouldn't be. So added. here's the schedule. Here's the schedule. Sunday, September 13th is the uh, final match to be played in the men's singles of the U.S. Open tennis. Monday, September 14th is my 30th birthday. Uh, Thursday, September 17th is the opening round of the U.S. Open. Okay. So and then they still um, oh, then, the Ryder Cup is still uh, well, and then followed by that the, right? the final round, yeah, the final round of the U.S. Open, I believe, is that would make it what the twenty first. That'd so. be Sunday the twenty first. The guys get on a plane the twenty first, and the Ryder Cup starts. I mean, play doesn't start until I believe that Friday, but the week starts that following Monday. So yeah. all the Americans are going to get on a big private plane. All the Europeans are going to get it on, on a big private plane, and. They're going to fly from New York to Wisconsin and uh, go play the Ryder Cup. So if there's going to be a moment for um, just patriotism embodied in golf, it is the week of September 17th through the through the end of the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the U.S. Open. It's our nation's championship. And then it's a Ryder Cup on home soil. If That's going to be an awesome week. As scheduled. I'm the only thing I'm worried about is the condition of the golfers because it's a very condensed season. I'll be it's a lot of guys it. wanting to play for a lot of money. It's a lot of guys, um, you know, pushing their physical limits. And when I say a lot of guys, it's Tiger Woods pushing his physical limits. <laughs> and I'm just hoping that he can get through that stretch healthy enough to be good in November to defend his green jacket. Yeah, that's that. Also, you brought up the weather too in Augusta, in Augusta in, in November, and we've talked about it here before with Tiger's back and, you know, his age now, the, the warmer weather majors definitely suit him a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Let's let's keep the fingers crossed here that, that we get a, a nice balmy November in Augusta, Georgia, because that, that'll t- Tiger needs all the help he can get from the from the elements and the environment. Tiger did host his champions dinner. I was gonna bring that up with his family. I know um, we've talked a... about I think we've talked about it. What would your champions dinner be? Uh, yeah, I think we have. I don't but, remember uh, what you, you said know, and I, I doubt anybody remembers I don't remember what I said. You probably got to go. You probably got to go with some sort of Italian theme. Okay. If it's me, you probably got to go with a a nice uh, pasta dish, some sort of like maybe a linguine and clams. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would be like picture. Well, you're missing out. Picture like the scene in Goodfellas when they make the sauce, just like a very family style. Um, sort of down to your roots because that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the champion's embodiment um, of like their favorite foods or, you know, their culture Mm -hmm. or um, something like that. So um, I think that I'd have to go Italian. Well, I'm Irish. It was our food isn't, I'm I'm not having corned beef and potatoes. Corned beef and cabbage might be a a tough sell. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, I'd probably pay, pay a little, I think I might've said some sort of like steak dinner type thing, which it was not, not a bad idea either, but, being in the South, pay a little bit of homage, do, do, do what they do down their best, have a, have a big barbecue meal. 
ribeyes and, and peach gobbler. There you go. Oh. There you go. Yeah, that'd be pretty I feel good. like mac and cheese makes its way onto every champion's dinner menu regardless. Yeah, I feel like, like I've mac, seen more mac, mac and cheese. This might be a hot take. Mac and cheese is very overrated. Well, very well, overrated. I mean, that, that's a conversation for another day. You're not eating the right mac and cheese if that's your favorite. So, that's see, I, okay, I like, like, I, this, I don't know if you'll get what I'm, you probably will. Like, the good mac and cheese, like, when I go to a nice restaurant and you order mac and cheese off that menu, like, that, okay, that stuff's fine. I, I like it. That's never going to be my top like appetizer. Like house. Yeah, like Steak that's never gonna be like my top. Mac and cheese? Come on. That's never gonna be my top like side that I want. I'm a, I'm a hash brown guy more than that, but like I will absolutely <laughs> eat that. It's pretty good, no problem. But like you giving me box craft mac and cheese or whatever, like get out. I don't want it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want it anywhere near me. Well, now we know where we stand on mac yeah. and cheese. Uh, we know where you stand on the golf relocation yeah. uh, of the two, the two major schedule. Topics. Exactly. And a third here is we did get another, I mean, not necessarily a schedule, but a targeted date and a possible plan for Major League Baseball to uh, start the season. They're pitching the idea, no pun intended, of a May You intended upon. For, no, I didn't. I really didn't. Uh, for spring training, uh, a May launch to be playing meaningful baseball games by June. But the launch plan is, I mean, something bizarre and... Uh, it's really odd. It involves robot umpires. It involves players sitting in the stands like seats apart rather than in the dugouts. It involves playing all 30 teams in Arizona at different uh, field locations, much like spring training. Like they'd start the regular season with all 30 teams in Arizona with the only travel taking place from the hotels mm-hmm. to the fields. Players would be tested every few days. Uh, players with positive tests would be sequestered away from teams in an effort to keep this thing operational. It just seems like a million hurdles to jump over. But everyone that we've talked to at CBS, all of our insiders, all of the players that we talk to, they just want to get to baseball. So it it's getting increasingly more realistic with everyone that we talk to that something this outlandish could take place. Yeah, it, it does seem like – I don't think – I think baseball started this out to get it – I know they're the only ones that really have to clear things, but to, to get the – on the right side of you know the, the court of public opinion and have the right image, they probably went out and said, what is the absolute safest possible thing we can do for – you know safest possible way we can approach every single aspect. I don't think that will – that all of those things will be enforced, you know, put into place, whatever, because I, th- I forgot who it was. I think it might have been Steve Ciszek or some, it was one of the Sox who did an interview with us, was saying something along the lines of, like, all right, great, they're going to put us in the stands when we're in the game, but then we're also going to share a clubhouse together. Like, that doesn't necessarily make all that much sense. Um, yeah. But, like you said, baseball just clearly wants to get back on the field. And, and for as many of these players that might not like the idea of, you know, basically being treated like you know a herd of cattle for four months whatever it might be the bottom line is they still all want to get back onto the field and it sounds like for the most part like you said you with all the people you've talked to insiders players whatever all the you know tweets articles and stuff that i've read everyone seems like yeah i don't love the idea but at the bottom you know the bottom line is i want to play baseball i want to get back on the field i want to start to return to some sort of normalcy let's get back to it that's the second to bottom line. That's like the second to last line on the uh, on the sheet here. The bottom line is that players are not getting paid. They want, well, yeah, players they, want to they get, want to get paid. paid. So if you're going to sequester me for two months in Arizona, but that means I get my game check, 
honey, Dude. I'll see you in September. You know, yeah. that type of, that type of thing where everyone wants to be the first sport back going and all mm-hmm. of these players want to start cashing checks again. So again, I think that for as wild as it seems, it's not out of the question by any means that we see something like this. it's going to look like a tournament in Joliet. Like it's going to look like travel ball, but it's going to be major league baseball and it's going to be a point in the game's history that will forever be remembered. Like looking back at these things, like when they talk about the last time the masters wasn't played in April or the last time that the U S open wasn't played, it's literally like world war one, world war two and the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. This is going to be something that history remembers forever. And I'm not saying that that makes it any more palatable or, uh, or there's any sort of silver lining in that, but you know, this is, this is a moment in history that um, these leaders, that these leagues are having to adjust around, and there's no right or wrong answer. So with health being paramount, if you can play games somehow, some way, I'm behind it. Yeah, you know, honestly, hats off to Major League Baseball because they were kind of the when we were at the infant stages of sports being canceled, I think there was always, you know, the hope that while they might not be playing baseball on opening day, there, there were some people say, well, we might have to push it back, you know, a couple weeks, whatever they got out in front. Uh, they were kind of the la- the last ones to the party of having their season delayed canceled. And mm-hmm. they kind of are the first ones to get out in front of this and actually release a plan of how we're going to do this and how we want to do this. The NBA has had a long time to do is had a long time to put something together and they are, but they maybe they just haven't released what their plan is, if there even is a plan. The NHL, same deal. That They're still talking, well, we might want to do this, we might want to do that. Baseball, granted, they have still their full season and don't have to worry about you know finishing up or going straight to the playoffs, whatever. They find, they're, they're the first ones to really put something on paper, put something out there and say, hey, this is our plan, this is how we're going about it. And hats off to them for that. They, they seem um, to be the ones working towards a solution. My only retort to them being the first ones would well, be – no, would be two words, and that is Dana White. Oh, that's because the UFC. I thought those two um, words were going to be private island. Yes, that that would also work because uh, the UFC and Dana White securing a private island off of the west coast of the United States. That's literally like the location information that we have right I now. Love it. Um, Dana White wants to hold fights every single weekend. Not just UFC 249, and UFC 249, as last reported, will not take place on the private island that's scheduled for April 18th at an undisclosed location. Was that so, the one where uh, Habib? That was, was supposed to be. be in, that was supposed to be Habib. Pulled. That was supposed to be Habib Tony Ferguson, which is, I mean, if you're if you're into UFC, that's a super fight. That is one of the baddest dudes in the world. I don't know Tony, Tony Ferguson. Oh, uh, just I don't think I've watched you, Tony Ferguson. YouTube Tony Ferguson, and okay. you'll want to buy the pay per view. He okay. is. Such an exciting fighter. He's no, but he's fighting Justin Gaethje, who is also a bigger name in the sport. And so Tony Ferguson, Habib, just a quick rundown here would have been like Tony Ferguson is the type of fighter who he can finish you with a kick, a submission. Like he is a jujitsu master. He's well-rounded. Not to say that Habib isn't, but Habib is more of the bulldog. He's going to try and wrestle you. He's going to try and, you know, get position on top and yeah. then ground and pound you. It's kind of like fireworks versus like a plan. Like Tony Ferguson could end that fight at any given moment, whereas Habib was going to methodically try and pick apart Ferguson. Okay. Now we go Ferguson versus Gaethje, and that's 
literally a powder keg. It's two dudes who could end fights in a moment with kicks, with swinging elbows. Like, it's very unorthodox. Uh, Ferguson's that long, lanky fighter that you never know where the strike's going to come from. Gaethje's very similar, not in build, but in his approach where it's going to be super entertaining, even if you don't know who Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson Mm -hmm. are. Now, my point here is that the UFC, while they're trying to stay operational, trying to stay big, trying to keep fans involved, they're missing a big opportunity here to take this fight from pay-per-view to cable television. If you ran UFC 249 on ESPN, ESPN, it would be likely the most viewed fight in the history of the sport. Uh, Regardless of Conor not being a part of it, regardless of Khabib not being part of it, regardless of John Jones not having his face on the marquee, it would likely be the most watched event because there's no other events to watch. And people are looking for anything to bet on. People are looking for anything to get behind right now. If Dana White was to put this on cable television, now I don't know the financials of it because a lot of people are still going to buy that $70 pay-per-view. And there is a lot of pressure from that new ownership that just bought um, the UFC to keep things in a pay-per-view, pay-per-view format. But I can guarantee you that if this is a pay-per-view event on April 18th, it will also be the most illegally streamed fight in the history of the UFC. <laughs> you you got you to gotta just think about it from a household standpoint here. A lot of people who are big fans of the UFC, a lot of people who are big fans of everything right now are not earning the income that they were earning a month ago. And when you're tightening up your budget, $70 to watch some dudes fight in a ring probably is one of the first things to go. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of illegal streaming of this fight. I think that if they took it to cable television, sold the crap out of the commercial breaks, I'm, I, I, I'm not you think a finance be, guy. You think that'd but, be outside of the Super Bowl, like the most expensive ad space you could possibly sell too? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know the details on that, but I think that it is a missed opportunity to – take the UFC and put it in the public eye because for as big as it's become and as big as the names have become, it's still a very underground sport. It's dudes fighting in a ring that barely have gloves on. Like it's, it's pretty barbaric and that might be another hesitation in putting it on cable television. But at the same time, it's a chance to get new eyes. Boxing used to be on NBC. So the uh, UFC is is trying to grow their guys outside of Connor, outside of, you know, I guess Habib's kind of a household name now, but he's not, you know, he's not fighting outside of John Jones. They're they're trying to grow stars and doubt that they should strictly go to an on TV format. But like you said, this is a very um, unique situation. And this is a chance. Like, I don't know Tony Ferguson. I don't know Justin Gaethje. I, I mean, I'll still probably buy the pay-per-view because I'm a sports nut and I will want to bet the hell out of this fight because it's live sports, all that type of stuff. But like for the guys like me who aren't necessarily going to, who might not necessarily want to buy it with, you know, except I said I'm going to buy it. If they don't want to buy it, the chance to grow people by just throwing this on TV, having the casual viewer, oh, okay, cool, there's sports on, I'll flip on ESPN, but they might not willing to pay $70 for it. You're going to get so many more eyes and the chance to develop new stars. And while you might be, giving away the gate for one pay-per-view, getting people to know these fighters, getting the, oh, wow, that's an exciting that's an exciting guy. I want to see him again. That might mm-hmm. lead someone to pay for 250 or 251 or whatever the hell these guys are. And I'm next. telling you, this is not going to be uh, John Jones and some random standing in the middle of the ring like trying to calculate each other. It's going to be opening bell to closing bell. Yeah. 
fireworks. It's it's the product that you want to put in front of people to say, hey, here is the most wild version of our sport. Enjoy for free. It's going to it's going to be like box, it's going to be like UFC's version of Rocky versus Ivan Drago. Just haymaker <laughs> after haymaker. <laughs> I think that would be a fair uh, assumption. Only one of them is not uh, a genetically altered Russian. Um, yeah, well, Habib's not in there, yeah. Habib is stuck in Russia. That's the reason he can't fight. He came out and said, you know, I, I want to fight. This is the fifth time that they've tried making Ferguson Habib, and for a myriad of different reasons, it hasn't happened. It kind of has the feel of one of those cursed fights. They are saying it is going to happen later in the year once this blows over. But getting back to what Dana White is trying to do beyond UFC 249 – with this fight island, I, I mean, I don't know how much, I, I don't know how I feel about it. You're flying fighters in, you're hosting these fight. Just the idea of like, I'm cool with it. It, it, it feels like a loophole, you know. It, it feels is a loophole. like it's 110 percent a loophole. It, it feels like an offshore bank account. Is it what is. it feels it, like it, that? That um, is what this is. It is literally <laughs> offshore. I guess so. I guess so. And Dana White, I mean, his creativity, say what you want about the guy, uh, his creativity in trying to keep his sport going. And I think his understanding that, you know, our business is fighting. Our business is combat. I don't think anyone's worried about the, I think that if, if there's a fan base that's least worried about is this morally corrupt or not, it is the UFC fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's well said. And all I just want to know is how do you get? How do we get to Fight Island? Can you uh, and I get you gotta there? Swim. You got to swim. That's part of the. That's part of the. You know. That's part of the hurdle that you have to overcome. Is like the you whole have to way. Swim to I the get island. Like a, can you I get to like swim a, the entire way to the island? So oh, people okay. are saying that the Diaz brothers are going to be the only two to make it there. Um, they used to swim to Alcatraz for fun or something like that. They're psychopaths. Um, but no, I'm completely completely being facetious. Obviously, clearly. Um, so that's that's kind of what we have on the sports front in terms of new news good. scheduling half hour um, sports to talk and, Feels like and i think podcast. that it's it's enough to be excited about but temper your excitement because as we said especially on the pga tour front it doesn't feel like we've had our last scheduling news here because no, but a lot of things have to go right between now and then for these events to go off as scheduled it's i think everybody's pretty understanding of that though and it's just it's nice to have something on yes. paper, it's nice. One hundred percent. They gave us a cookie, and we we know we might not get you know the whole box of Oreos, Joe, but they gave us one. Uh, it, you allude to Oreos and some of the topics that we that we like to get to here on the Moose and Means podcast: double stuff, single stuff. Hmm. We also like to talk about a bit of fashion, and we do. You know, the NFL played right into our hands this week with two new teams announcing Oof. jerseys. I'm sure our listenership has seen those jerseys. The Buccaneers going back to some all-stock regular looks, Love it. Uh, getting away from the digital alarm clock number on the jersey, a little bit more classic. They do have that all-pewter look, which was a miss in my opinion. If you're going to go with the alternate, that's a little wonky looking, bring back the creamsicle for three games. That's yeah, all I'm that's, saying. That, no, I, and, totally and that's, that's what everyone was saying. That's not an original wrong. thought. Maybe that's um, something they change next year or something. But like, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't Either. know why they didn't – like. Who should on that direction outside of that love them? Oh, yeah, I, I think less they're great. Is more 
They're simple. They're back to basics. The all white look is super sharp. The mist the there, not, awesome. a, not only in the creamsicle, but, you know, I understand this was shot weeks in advance, but you had Chris Godwin in number 12 with an asterisk saying this was shot earlier, whatever. Yeah. Send Tom the jersey and get him to do one spin in it. That would have set the whole video off. Yeah, that, that would have been pretty cool. That would have been awesome. The, but, the jerseys are, they're like, they're just tweaked enough from the, you know, John Gruden, like Super Bowl, all stock bucks. Yeah. Like they're, they're, ba- they're back to that, they're formula, but they're just tweaked enough where they're not like, you know, they're not mirror images. They're a little bit newer, a little bit more modern. And I think they look fantastic. And I, I love, out I love 10. a good all white uniform. Out of 10, give them the ranking on the whole, all three of them across the board, Buccaneers ranking out of 10. I mean, the, the, oh, the all pewter knocks it down a couple numbers. Uh, I, I, I think probably lose a little, I'm at a, Probably about a seven, seven. I was going to say seven and a half out of ten. I go um, seven you have one. Good, you have you have good you have good options there, but there was a miss. Yeah. So seven and a half out of ten. I think. Honestly, if you want an alternate, like the all white should have been your alternate, and then have your roads be the white on pewter. Yeah, that's still that's still a nice look and one that they wore back in the day. Uh, and then there are the Atlanta Falcons, who completely botched <laughs> one of the nicer jerseys in the NFL. Again, less is more. Keep it simple. And they go out and do some weird you go out ATL and do across like the chest. You go out and do something and completely what redeem yourself. What is it um, with these abbreviations? Why do why do people want to force abbreviations? It's not even it the abbreviation. It is the entire it is the entire it looks like an XFL jersey. And people yeah. were putting up pictures of the mean machine jersey from Baltus Yard. Like. The looks, mean machine jersey looks better. They're so bad. Like how how do how do a room of people get together and say, hey, this is what we're going with. And no one stands up and says, wait, I know we're trying to sell new jerseys here, but let's tweak a little something and keep it how it is. Like the old school Jamal Anderson, mid-90s, late-90s, black and white. With the, You want to get weird? Bring back the red helmet. Yeah, Bring that's back your the alternate. crazy 80s red helmet. There's your alternate. You don't have to ruin the thing. Out of 10, I'm giving the Atlanta Falcons maybe a 2-7. F- just because they kept that option yeah, that's of the regular black jersey, the, the that's number the only that thing jumped to me from being a zero. The number that jumped to me was a two point five because they kept the one. You know, they kept the throwback alternate, which they weren't. And, and you got to win that one every week at home because this a, is bad. Yeah, it's it, bad. And honestly, th- with the reaction to this, they actually might. Um, in, in a time of like where everybody seems to love nostalgia, everybody seems to like you know going back to you know the old days and. Nostalgia sells now. I, I think mm-hmm. you and I have learned that in, in our, our business, especially in the sports business, in the media business. Just you, you saw what I, I know the uniforms were developed a long time ago, but you saw what the Bucks just did two days prior and got like really good reviews on it. And then you come back with this all I new mean, modern. It, you don't even need to see someone like the Bucks do something like that. Look at the jerseys that are regarded look at the as. Look at the jerseys that are regarded as, as the best in the league. They it is changed. the classics, the Raiders, the Bears, the Packers, the Cowboys. Maybe a tweak here and there, maybe an alternate here and there, but the basis is in, like you said, nostalgia, history, the things that make your team what they are, the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, the Rams going back to the old look was the best thing they could have done. Yeah. I, their new logo is something weird. Yeah, we I hope they don't put about. it on anything jersey-wise. But like the color schemes, the designs – Classic is better, and the Atlanta Falcons. 
I hope this is like the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer where they see the reaction to it and they just have to change it's something. Like, you know what? No, like, we're not going to do this. <laughs> we can't do this because it's – I think it's a jersey that costs them a few wins this year. That might be a little crazy, but I think the look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, pay good, live good, die good. That like, It's just not – there's no way that guys are putting that jersey on in the locker room and feeling good about themselves. I think it costs them a couple games. I, I really I couldn't do. Agree. Like Matt Ryan does not belong in that jersey, in that yeah. uniform. He like and he was wearing the all black one, so he did not didn't look good. Just terrible. Um, Moose and Roots listeners, you guys are everything to us, and you've kept this podcast going in the weeks where we don't have much to talk about. So we are going to get back into that mailbag right now. We do have a couple topics for you. Matt, why don't you, you dip your hand into the mailbag and pull something out for us? All right, so this is uh, one that's been brought up now a couple times by a veteran listener of the podcast, Rob Gallick, through text, and then uh, also talked about it when we were playing Call of Duty with him the other day. Uh, he's looking for some new it's golf a personal clubs. personal conversation. Pers- but he's looking for some new golf clubs. Okay. Uh, and we, he knows we're golf club guys. We, we talk about golf clubs on the pods. On the pod we like to tinker. We're a golf pod. We like to, yeah, tinker's a good word for it. Well, he, he wanted us to go through the woods, the irons, the wedges, the putters, give him a couple suggestions, give him a couple things to look at. So I'm going to. Rob well, wants us to build a bag for him. That's fair. We, I, I will say we did do the drivers last week. We talked about uh-huh. drivers. So we, I say we briefly kind of hit that, recap that. And then we kind of make the move the irons. How about that? Once, yeah, from once a driver standpoint. Well, from a driver standpoint, Matt, you know I'm a tailor-made man, mm-hmm. um, and I think that if you're if you're trying to build a bag on a budget, and what I always do is I buy last year's technology, not used. There's always mm-hmm. still new wrappers on them from last year. Like they just can't sell as many as they produce. Like TaylorMade came out with the Sim line this year. I'm going to go out and buy an M6 this summer, and it's going to have the same pop and the same technology that it did eight months ago when every player on tour had it in the bag. So that's good enough for me. So I guess my inside tip here would be no matter what club brand you're going with buy the season prior because the technology is still great. Yeah. And we're not like, it's not like we're good enough players where one year's model is going to make that big of a difference for us. No, it's like pretty breaking technology. And like you said, it's eight, it's new not like models. We're, we're not like five new years old here. It's eight months old. New These models sell for last year's masters. New models sell for four fifty, five hundred in some cases when you're talking about drivers, and you can get last year's some places for three, like yep. a really, really good driver for three hundred dollars. Save yourself one hundred fifty bucks. Buy yourself a nicer wedge or a putters. Put that towards but the putter. To answer your question, tailor made with the woods. I am somewhat being talked into the Callaway Epic line. Mm-hmm. So I want to swing that before I make my decision. I'm a, I, I talked about it. Uh, I, I'm a big Cobra guy. Um, yep. I, I love that driver. I've hit it now for probably it's like two or three years. Um, my brother, who like we, we've talked about, Mike is a great golfer. He hit that a couple. He hit mine a couple times and said that's the one I'm getting. Went out and self went out bought himself a new one. Uh, the other one, I think I'll probably say this for every category. You can never go wrong by by grabbing a Titleist and whatever you yeah. said, whether that's the newest Titleist or whether that's last year's model. Grab yourself a Titleist, see how you hit it. They are the you know leaders in golf, the worldwide leaders in golf for the most part throughout equipment, and that is that that's never a bad fail safe option to decide to grab yourself a a model of demo. I think I think Titleist does everything well. They don't do anything the best in that that's fair. in that given yeah. category. Maybe Vokey wedges, maybe Vokey wedges, but you know you've had a lot of new wedge technology come out from TaylorMade now. Um, you've had a lot of new wedge technology come out from Wilson. Um, there's, you know, everyone's doing things pretty, pretty good. 
but Oki is still being wedged, so let's go there now. Um, I know mm-hmm. we kind of jumped the irons, but That's I am fine. currently we go, we go holding back, a uh, a Voki 6007 SM4 uh, 60 degree that I've been swinging throughout the entirety of this podcast. So sorry if you heard any of that on audio. We have not. Um, Good job. Yeah, I, I'm, I got Voki. I got Voki wedges in the bag, and I think I've said it before here. Um, I was gifted a 56 degree by the good people at Wilson Golf. Brian Sen, friend of the podcast, had one mocked up with a Moose 6 stamp on it. So that's my 56 now. Is that our, are they official sponsor yet? Uh, not yet. Not just, yet? Okay, we're working free, on that. Free shit. We'll just get free them. Shit. Okay, we'll, we'll get them. <laughs> uh, so hey, does my does my free customized wedge come in the mail then soon? Is that where we're Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. They're working on the engraving. Yeah, wedge, I mean... All, all, every golf club is about feel for the most part. It, it's about mm-hmm. the feel, about the sound. But I feel like, not no pun intended there, wedges are more, feel is most important with wedges because you have to be so precise. You have to have such touch around the greens that whatever works for you mentally as well as in your swing, what you like feeling off the club, that's what's most important with a wedge. So I, I obviously certain wedges probably have other, you know, different technologies than others. The, my sand wedge right now, I, I forgot the, I think it's a Nike might still be one you know one of the old VR Nikes wow. it's like a old, it's like, old tech. it's it's an old wedge but like i hit it well i have a great feel for it and mm-hmm. from about you know 80 and in i'm really good with that thing it's a, it's a mental thing like i know i'm when i go back with that swing i have a different stance pretty much i have a different swing but with that club in the hand like i kind of know the feel i know the distances mentally i'm very comfortable with that and i think wedges more than any other club you just have to be in your own headspace yeah. be very comfortable with it so, I mean, as far as brands, I wouldn't venture off, you know, the top, you know, five, six, whatever brands that you see, you know, whether that's Titleist, Cleveland, um, you were saying uh, Callaway, um, uh, whatever, Wilson, Wilson uh, Mizuno, whatever you like, that's yeah. fine. But grab a couple and just kind of chip with them and that's whatever you start more liking. more important than anything. Yeah, the, the so brand I think, isn't I think rather than. I think rather than, yeah, rather than building a bag for Rob and our listeners here, the notes would be buy last year's model and go swing them. Those are yeah. the two biggest things. Yeah, you, You'll um, find places that, are, that can give you some demos and uh, granted demos will be a little bit more used, but you can still get a feel for those clubs. Fair to say when it comes to the putter, we agree, Scotty Cameron. Um, beyond that, I'd say that, again, the tailor-made line is doing a lot of good things. You see a lot of guys on tour with the spider mallet um mm-hmm. or the half mallet in their bag a lot of guys love that so um I, I i'm just a fan of a putting that single much. piece milled piece of metal in my hands yeah i got Scotty a camera stance i think i think i mentioned this on on our, our call of duty game the other day <laughs> i've been uh, i've been rocking the same ping answer since eighth grade yeah. and quite on, like i have a feel for it I, I know the distance as well with it should i get a new putter probably but i mean that said i probably had my best summer of putting i've ever had the last year and keep it in play it, it the, the putter works i think the grip is honestly a little bit more than the you know more important than the putter itself finding yourself a you know a physical grip like with your hands how you grip the putter that you're comfortable with as well as whether you like the normal size whether you like a little bit bigger grip that's fine too I think that's a little bit more important um, in terms of actual putters. I've kind of messed around with on practice greens while waiting for my grips to be done on certain clubs. Uh, I, I always have liked the feel of, of Odysseys. Um, I, I know my dad's. Yeah, had, my dad has a new putter. I like had a white hot months. for a very long time. Um, I, we got a, we got a whole bunch of granted they're right-handed Odysseys in our basement. Um, I've kind of put with those. I like the feel of those, and like you, say, you can't go wrong with a Scotty Cameron. But you go with a Scotty Cameron, you're be prepared to drop. You know. 
three yeah, three hundred bucks. But, but at the same thing, the Scotty Cameron market on eBay is you know they hold their value. If you don't like it, yeah, you, you can get eighty percent of your investment back in, in a second in a day on eBay. So That's a good point. Um, but you know, like there's PGA Superstores and Golf Galaxies that have a hundred putters on a putting ring. So when those places open back up, like anything else, go swing it. And those yep. are the easiest to get your hands on and swing putters to see what feels right to you. We did jump the irons here, Matt. Um, I currently have Mizuno MP59s. It's a discontinued line in the bag. Uh, that's been going about seven years now, and I absolutely love them. Mizuno, maybe not, like you said, the big five brands, but they are known for their iron I would say I'd say their irons have leaked their way into probably a big five brand for, not their woods, not their wedges, but in, in terms of the irons, I feel like they're starting to finally yeah. get their, their due and how good they are. You know, because you know what you, what you saw when Nike discontinued their line and they told all of the Nike athletes, hey, put whatever you want in the bag, keep wearing our apparel. A lot of the Nike guys went to Mizuno Irons. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Brooks, I believe Brooks still swings Mizuno Irons. Um, I don't think he's gone full tailor-made yet. I think he's tailor-made woods, uh, or at least last year he was. But um, yeah, I love my Mizuno Irons, but the iron market is probably where you can get lost in the woods the most. Um, no pun intended. Again, no pun intended. Uh, but there's a million brands, a million options, and everyone's making pretty playable, forgiving irons at this point. TaylorMade, again, the name that keeps coming up. Titleist, the AP1, AP2 lines. I wanted AP2s when I bought my Mizunos. Mm-hmm. Couldn't, hit them on, couldn't hit them on the simulator. Couldn't, could not find the middle of the face on the simulator. Not sure what it was. We tried a million different shafts. We tried a million different options. Couldn't make it work. Put the Mizunos in my hand. Felt perfect listen to what the simulator and what the response in your hands is telling you. Yeah. And I had, and I'm not going to lie. Part of me still regrets uh, getting rid of these. I had, um, uh, Nike, it would obviously discontinued, but I had the, the Nike, uh, Vic, uh, I think they were VRs. Um, mm-hmm. but those were, and I was very comfortable with those. I liked them a lot, but they were getting old. And I think when we were at, uh, Royal Port Rush a couple summers ago, I, I hit Titleist. The, the generic ones they had for, for rental clubs were AP ones, which are, more of the beginner clubs, you know, beginner mm-hmm. irons of that level. AP2s are what they say, you know, the elite players play. And then AP3s are from what I was recommending, you know, more guys like us. The And then, you, you know, know, the MB, the blade, which yeah. is like, unless you're being paid to play golf, so don't buy them. I actually have, uh, I, I bought original, I spent a little bit more money than I'd like to now. I, I bought a, a set of AP3s because like you, I hit them in the simulator. I was hitting them pretty well. Uh, let me take them out to the range. I was hitting them pretty well. And I knew I hit the AP1s pretty well. So this was the next step up. I got those, and then after I felt you know a little bit less control out of those, you know, the lower, closer irons. I really like the blade feel for that. I actually bought blades for my eight, nine, and wedge. Uh, so MVs mm-hmm. for the eight, nine, and wedge. And I, I'm a big fan of, of the feel of the Titleist iron. Um, little mix set. Little, I so little, it is it is a little bit mixed, and the the that's, the, the that's loss, stuff right there. The loss, stuff. I, I'm you, you play <laughs> golf with me. I'm completely all mental. It's 100. <laughs> I, the, the talent's all there, but the headspace quite isn't. isn't. You see a lot of mix sets on tour these days too. Guys who just like like different, um, like a more playable, almost you know public iron from like. They're three iron down. I, I to like the more forgiving. Six. Give me yeah. the forgiving long iron, and then the you know, yeah. give me something with a little, a little bit, bit more, more feel. Uh, I, th- I think yeah. on the short iron, a little bit more blade. Um, but that's I, I like. I wanted to hit the Mizunos. I know my brother Mike was in, in the market for him a couple years ago. Tried to get lefty. Uh, what's it? MP twenties. Yeah, they don't, they don't make them lefty. Yeah. And then yeah. I figured. I, I I recently found out Tiger hits tailor mades. 
then the new P, uh, PTW7s, I don't think they're you know brand new. I think they were last year's technology, so I don't know when yeah. they come out with Gorgeous the new. Gorgeous clubs. Gorgeous club. They actually use the same, pretty much the same technology, same mold uh, for the most part as the old Nikes that I used to have. I looked into those. Don't make them uh-huh. for lefties. So and main, I think spe- the- main speech here, not that Rob's a lefty, and he asked us this question getting off topic, but let's start making some more clubs for lefties people. Lefties <laughs> are people too. So that's, that's the final notes here. Go out and swing them. See what feels good in your hands. Buy last year's version and make more clubs for lefties. Hey, take that. That's the bottom line. That that is my <laughs> bottom line. Make more clubs for lefties. But hey, take as many demos as they'll let you. They, they, yeah, they, and they, they, they're going to let you take four demo drivers. Take four demo drivers. They're going to let you take four demo set seven irons. Take them. And the guy's trying to make that twenty three hundred dollars sale. If you're trying to fill a bag, yeah. so he's going to let you swing everything. And don't don't have this like I've done it before where I hit the when I demo drivers I when I took I think I had three or four in my head I was just given the Cobra because the guy I was buying from said like hey these are doing pretty well why don't you yeah. just take it you probably you, you might not like it but just take it. it's doing really well when I went to the range in my head I was like I'm not going to buy this driver it's just the Cobra I was dead set on I have to get a tailor made or I have to get a Titleist because that's the best I ended up eventually getting off that mindset and i like the cobra don't think you have to buy a titleist just because it's titleist yeah if totally. you feel the mizuno better or you feel the callaway better whatever it is go get that uh now we've dug deep into the bag God, that was a good question good job rob you know yeah he'd, been, he'd, been, rob he'd been on and off with his mailbag questions that was a good one that we hope that one. uh you guys all go out buy new clubs and we can swing them sooner rather than later uh, Matt, we got another mailbag before we yeah. say goodbye to the people. This is a this is a quick one. All right, well, we got two two quick ones here. Uh, okay. I, I I was asked. I think this was uh, actually our, my brother Tim, who's been a, a mailbag all star, sent us this one. I think this was inspired by my father's shoe closet. Um, oh yeah. He he wants to he wants to know how many pairs of shoes we think are in our shoe closet and who's got more. Oh wow. I think I think you got more. Look, I, I yeah, got there's, shoes. there's zero. There's zero doubt that I have more shoes. I know. Than you, I think. I think you'd be surprised at how many pairs of shoes I have, but I still think you have more. I'm looking in my closet right now. I think it's closer than the experts think, okay. and the, I don't know who the experts. I ballpark it at like 35, 40 pairs. Okay, yeah, I'm not up there. I probably say I'm in more of the twenty range, but like okay. that's that's more than you'd think I have, right? You probably yeah. in your head, you probably Matt's got three pairs of shoes. Matt's got a pair of New Balance, like old man shoes that he wears for every occasion. Nope, I, those are Allbirds. <laughs> I got a pair of white white Allbirds. I, I love those things. I wear them everywhere. If um, you're looking for a pair of nice walking around sneakers, by the way, get yourself a pair of Allbirds. Those are no, no free ads. You know, those are you know what my favorite pair is? What? Your golf the shoes? The next one. Oh, the next There one. you go, Chuck. That's my favorite. Pair. So, as the people expected, Joe has more shoes, more shoes than both of us combined. Though, probably my dad. I think he has like a hundred pairs of shoes up in that up in that closet. Seventy five are different golf shoes too. You know, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with experimenting in different types of golf shoes. You got to find yeah, the right spikeless. Ones. Spikeless, you can wear. You can wear spikeless. Yeah. I had spikeless on in the grocery store yesterday. And hey, you said it. Look good, feel good, play good. If right. you if you got a dirty pair of golf shoes that you you know that, yeah. that you wore one rainy day and they didn't you know didn't you might get as clean. well add six seven strokes yeah. to the car. Okay, yeah, I got to go get a new pair. I, th- those white Pumas I wear got dirty. I got to go get a new pair. I respect that. Uh, okay, and then the last one. I, I'm not. I haven't been a huge fan of. You've probably all seen these things on Twitter. They give you like the nine boxes and they say you can only pick three. The one thing that did kind of catch my eye and and I'm a little bit interested in. Uh, getting your opinion of Chicago food items, and I think this one is a hotly contested topic. All that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the nine boxes here, Joe, and I need you to pick three items. All right? 
Okay. Box number one, Chicago style hot dog. Number two, deep dish pizza. Number three, beef. Number four, uh, you know, Chicago mixed popcorn, the cheddar and the caramel. Number five, Malort. I don't know why Malort's on there. I get it, Chicago, but come on, people. Uh, number six, Polish with onions and mustard. Seven, tavern-style pizza. Eight looks like some sort of Euro combination. And nine is a rainbow cone. Now, Need you to pick three. Now, tavern-style pizza, does that mean if I don't have pizza, I can't have any pizza, like I can't have, if I don't pick tavern-style pizza, I still can't get like Armand's? Or is this like bar pizza? This is like, but this is the, you know, the square cut pizza. Okay. Well, I got to put that on there because I got to keep pizza. And I, I know in, Chicago in people know this and I, I'm pretty sure this is easy. Chicago this is easy. people are the only ones that listen to this. Stop saying, I know deep dishes. Like yeah, no, we, we'll, we won't Ch- have that. Chicago is a tavern style pizza yeah, yeah. city. Yeah, Thank you. That's I, just, I needed to get that off simple. my chest. Uh, pizza, beef, hot dog. That's okay. It. See, I'm similar. I went pizza, beef, Polish. Pizza, beef, Polish. Yeah, I see the Polish and the hot dog are, are similar, are, are very right. similar. And I like the mustard grilled onions combination more than the Chicago style hot dog. I'm not going to lie. And if to you. there isn't I, a more, if there isn't a more tourist thing than Garrett's popcorn, I don't know what there is. Okay, it's like, good, but like honestly, when I go to get Garrett's popcorn, if I go to get Garrett's popcorn, which isn't often, it's you know if I'm maybe in the airport or something like that or at a game when they sell them new bags, I'm much more likely to go get the buttered popcorn than the. I don't, I don't want caramel and cheese. I don't want to get my hands yeah. all there. Just give me the buttered popcorn. Give me, I think give me movie theater popcorn over Garrett's any day of the week. There you go. But that's every bit as expensive. It was also hard. To, I've never had the rainbow cone. I don't really know what it is. It looks like it's just a whole bunch of ice cream. It's like we got some some green, orange, yellow, uh, pink, and and chocolate. I don't. know. It's fine. I, I can just get a a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I'll be just fine. We are the rainbow cone of sports podcasts because we give you a little bit God, of that, everything. I hate uh, to admit that you're good, but that was good. Yeah, that's just that was a really good segue. That was a pro segue. I know, but yeah, I still don't like and admitting it. it. And there's going to be a day where you don't point it out. And you just let me get to the outro of the podcast. Too. That's and that's when, the day that's when that this happens. thing really sings. Uh, see, I think the day that happens is that's the day I don't care anymore. And that's, that's, that's a bad <laughs> sign. Well, we always care here at the Moose and Roots podcast. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 149. We wax poetic about golf clubs. We get a little excited about the schedule upcoming in the sporting world. Um, we're, we're thinking of you guys. We hope that we can provide just a little bit of an escape for whatever your new normal is. Uh, we're hoping that you guys keep your minds in a positive place, that you're staying healthy. Uh, that you're keeping that social distance, following the rules, bending the curve, all of these it words and it phrases that we're hearing right now. Uh, we could joke about it, but it is the reality that we are living in right now. And we're hoping that you're following the rules so we can get back to sooner rather than later. Uh, we appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in to the Moose and Roots podcast. I don't know if we got something special coming for us. We got 150. Week. It's 150. I mean, in the past, maybe we, we're going to have to brainstorm. I mean, if you guys have to brainstorm, maybe like top 150, like we'll have to put it together a big list or something. I don't know. Um, We're ranking 150 things. No, 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 no. We'll we'll, we'll brainstorm on it. There'll be something, there'll be something different next week for episode 150. Just give the, just give the creative minds a few days to think about it. But as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, For Matt Rooney. Get the mailbags in people. Get Get the mailbags. We need, we need some more. We're running a little bit low. I sent out a tweet. Get for clubs. Let's get uh, some more. Take your vitamin C. Um, you know, get good sleep. All those things. Uh, but for now, keep on listening. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. 
for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>